stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So imagine a scenario if you can. Yeah, a disturbing piece of information comes to light. New information about a problem we're facing as a country. And as a result of that information coming to light, we have a, a debate about some radical policy changes that, that might address it. Maybe we even go so far as to implement those policy changes that would be vast and sweeping and, and expensive and difficult. What if it turns out after all of that, that that piece of information, that, that fact that prompted all of that, that that whole domino chain was wrong? was absolutely 100% incorrect. What would we do then? I fear that we may be on this trajectory here uh, because uh, certainly as of late, since in particular that that horrific Danforth shooting in Toronto, there has been a lot more conversation about the idea of banning handguns. Uh, The city of Toronto, of course, where that tragedy took place, uh, city council in Toronto has called for the federal government to do that. Uh, The city of Montreal has joined in. And even recently, uh, the prime minister in his uh, mandate letters to his uh, relevant ministers has asked the minister responsible for this file to examine the question, to look at the possibility of banning guns, banning handguns, that is. Now, it's just that, I mean, that's as far as it's come so far. It seems awfully plausible to me, however, that a liberal government without much of a record to run on next year could look to an issue like this. And say, if you reelect us, we are going to ban handguns. Now, this all comes back to to the claim that that legal handgun ownership is a part of the problem when it comes to gun crime and gun violence in Canada. And the Toronto Police Service itself has made this assertion that they have seen a surge, an increase in the number uh, of guns being seized uh, at crime scenes that are traceable to Canadian sources or more to the point traceable to legal Canadian owners. That either legal and licensed Canadian gunners are buying guns and selling them to gangsters, or they're being awfully cavalier in how they store those guns and they're being stolen and used in crime. Now, either way, that claim would point to legal ownership as part of the problem. But guess what? It isn't. And there isn't a surge. So where did this whole idea come from? Well, Matt Gurney, our colleague uh, with uh, Global News Radio AM640 in Toronto, hosts the exchange between 9 and noon uh, in Toronto, has a really interesting and important piece up today at globalnews.ca because we have stats available, courtesy of Dennis Young, by the way, an Alberta-based researcher who brought a lot to light about some of the High River gun grab. And he's obtained this, this information from the Toronto Police Service that shows the exact opposite of what they're claiming publicly. You can read Matt's piece for yourself. You can see all the data uh, in the piece, globalnews.ca. Matt, thank you so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, man. Good to be here. You know, this is such an important point in this debate, and it seems as though we're, we're creeping toward a much bigger debate about gun bans, and maybe this is something the liberals are even going to campaign on in next year's federal election. So talk about why it's so important to, to have facts informing this debate. Well, I mean, I'm going to borrow the language of the liberals. I think policy should be evidence-based. And I think if we're going to propose 
uh, significant changes to the criminal code, we need to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. Uh, people out there who might be notionally supportive of a handgun ban um, probably just think, oh, you sign a law and then, you know, several million Canadians line up at their local police stations and throw their guns into a huge smelter. But there's precedent for this kind of thing. The governments have expropriated property before. Items have become banned before. There's always a buyout. There's always some sort of compensation given to the people who are affected by this. Some of the estimates, and this came to me from someone inside government who told me this, uh, someone who is neutral on the issue but said the government's own papers suggest that a handgun ban in Canada would cost billions of dollars. It would just be like you would have to go out and buy millions of, of these things back because millions of them are registered in Canada, and all of them have a value at least in the hundreds of dollars. And there's plus ammunition, storage safes. It would be an expensive proposition. Before we go out and do that, should we maybe consider whether or not it's a good use of money? Should we maybe consider whether or not it would even be effective at tackling the, uh, the, cause, uh, pardon me, the root causes of the violence it claims to be addressing? Right. And that seems pretty fundamental. I mean, look, if people want to take, uh, you know, more of a, a judgmental view that, that gun ownership is bad and we shouldn't have it, that, that, I mean, that, that's more political. But if the yeah, argument sure. is going to be that gun ownership is problematic because criminals are acquiring these guns from, from legal Canadian gun owners, that, that's a question we can answer objectively. Yeah, and what I think, I mean, I think you, you've hit on something important here, because you might hear people making the argument, oh, you know, I, I have nothing against shooting sports, but the evidence shows that it's contributing to crime. And then if you really scratch the surface on this point, on, the, on these arguments, what you really find, in my experience, Rob, most of the time, is that these people actually just don't want people to own guns. It's not something they're into, and for political or ideological reasons, they don't think people should own guns. That's fair. That's their own opinion, but that's not my opinion. This is relevant now, though, uh, as you're alluding to, this column that I, I published today, there was an article after the Danforth shooting in Toronto. You and I spoke the morning after that, um, that horrible attack on my hometown that left two young people dead. And immediately there was this talk of, uh, you know, needing more gun control in Toronto. And Rob, as I said to you at the time, this had already, by the time the Danforth attack happened, Toronto had already been rocked by a wave of shootings that we believe are linked uh, to gang activity here in the city. So it was a hot topic already. In the midst of this debate, the Canadian press published an article quoting a Toronto police detective on the record who linked, uh, well, he said criminal organizations in Toronto are increasingly getting their guns from licensed Canadian gun owners. And I'm quoting from memory here, so this isn't verbatim, but on the record, this officer said, Canadian licensed gun owners are getting licensed, they're buying guns, and they're doing it to become gun traffickers. They're buying them and then selling them onto the black market. And he said, we've seen a bunch of these cases in, in recent years, and he said there had been a real spike in these cases since 2012. That was the core of the Canadian press article. That Canadian press article was widely republished. CBC, CTV, The National Post, a dozen other post-media papers, Global News, mm -hmm. Us, and also, uh, it was cited without being republished in the Toronto Star and the Globe and Mail. That's every journalism movement in this country. Basically, this article appeared everywhere. It's been cited repeatedly since then in columns arguing for a gun ban. 
every story in this country for the last six weeks that's talking about the politics of a gun ban, virtually every story, is noting in July the Canadian press reported that the Toronto police say that there's been a real spike in guns being sourced to lawful Canadians. It's wrong. I don't know why it's wrong, Rob, because I placed requests for comment with both the Canadian press and with the Toronto police. I waited 24 hours. I never got answers. Uh, the Canadian press told me that they are aware of this. Uh, I, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's wrong because there are stats right. now released by the Toronto police that prove it's wrong. These stats are not open to debate. They are incontrovertible. The, uh, the uh, reported surge in guns coming from licensed Canadian gun owners has not happened. It doesn't exist. And that is when I asked the Canadian press and the Toronto police for comment. The Canadian press says they are aware of the stats, they are reviewing the situation, and they had no further comment. The Toronto police acknowledged my message and acknowledged my request for uh, contact with the detective. They asked for more details. I provided them for the nature of the interview. They said, okay, we're going to pass this along. Thanks for this. They acknowledged the receipt. 20, 28 hours later, now I'm looking at my clock, I haven't heard back yet. Hmm. So, you know what? I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a mistake. I don't know if there was an agenda. I don't know if there was a miscommunication somewhere uh, where the interview was edited in a way, maybe innocently, that caused the meeting to change. I'm speculating like mad here because I don't want to assume any bad, infer- bad will on anyone's part here, Rob. But I'm telling you this, and I want your listeners to understand this. The core article that has been at the heart of one of the most contentious public policy debates in Canada right now is inaccurate. It's wrong. We are having a debate about a problem that we can now prove doesn't exist. Maybe you still want to ban guns anyway. Maybe you don't think people should own guns. Fine. You're welcome to that opinion. But (laughs) do we believe in facts or not? That's the fundamental question here. Well, you're right. And so it's, like you say, it's it's hard to know why the Toronto Police Service was saying something that directly contradicted their, their very own statistics. Their own right? numbers. Now, I, I can understand from a journalistic point of view, the police hold a news conference, they, they announce something, you know, you, you cover what it is they're saying on an important issue. But it also seems on an issue like this, that if Toronto Police are, are claiming uh, something statistical, uh, that we would ask to see those numbers, right? Well, what's interesting, and I've spent the last few days buried in six-week-old news stories, because one of the things I wanted to do, Rob, is I wanted to understand the timeline. Once I looked at these stats and I knew that this narrative that is now being repeated in every media outlet in the country, once I knew that this was wrong, I wanted to find out where it happened. And I traced it back to the Canadian Press article of July 24th. But when I'm reading backward through all these news articles and going through my clippings, I noticed that the Globe and Mail, a couple, a day or two after the article was originally published, didn't reprint it, but they cited it. One of their own reporters writing about gun control cited the information from the Canadian Press article, but God bless the Globe and Mail. As a former National Post guy, you don't often hear me say that, but God bless the Globe and Mail, because they put in their own article some line to the effect of, the Globe is not independently able to verify these statistics. And I don't see I didn't see anyone else do that. And I think for maybe understandable reasons, people accepted the Canadian press article completely at face value. Hey, man, I did at the time when I read it, I believed it. 
it was just the fact that now that these stats are actually out, it's not the case. And again, I want to I want to assume that this is an innocent under, misunderstanding. I want to assume that this is just a mistake. I want to assume that the Toronto Police define something differently. I want to assume that this detective has access to some information that wasn't covered by the Freedom of Information request. I want to assume that someone is going to finally get in touch with me and go, oh, hey, Matt, sorry we're a little late. Uh, We were swamped here and we couldn't get back to you by your deadline. But here is, and then they give me something that makes this all a completely reasonable explanation, in which case I've got to go out and apologize for my column. But I'd be be willing to do that because if I get it wrong, part of doing the job honorably is admitting that. But right now, we have on-the-record claims published by one of this country's most honorable and respected news organizations that have been widely repeated in either primary or secondary form across the country repeatedly for weeks. And the central contention of the article is provably wrong. That's a problem, yeah. man. And that's – I don't like, – that's <laughs> – words fail me to try and explain how big a problem that is. I'm passionate about the issue of guns. A lot of people aren't. I acknowledge that. But no matter what your feelings on the actual issue are, this should upset people because this is a big deal. And these are Toronto stats, and, and maybe it varies from city to city across the country, but it's, yeah. it's worth noting. So it, for whatever reason, we do have a distinction here between Canadian sourced guns and, and guns that are sourced to lawful Canadian owners. But in either case, there, there's a big discrepancy between those that are Canadian in origin, those that are American in origin, and it's, it's the latter that we see in, in far greater number. Honestly, Rob, you're absolutely right, and the contention that Canadian guns are being linked as uh, to crimes as often as American guns, I looked really hard to find, I mean, just to cover my own ass. I'm being blunt about this. Sure. I don't want to go write a column that has some idiot comes along and goes, Gurney, you moron, you just missed this, and it's something really simple, and I'm like, ah, crap, I screwed up. So I, I examined this from every issue that I could think of. I brought in some colleagues who I know are uh, knowledgeable of these matters. I showed my draft of my column to some other journalism colleagues, and I'm like, where's my failure in logic here? I can't find one. There might be a reasonable explanation for this discrepancy, but it's not available. The claims made in the article are wrong, and the claims were specific. Since 2012, Toronto Police apparently had seen a surge, that was the quote, in guns being traced from crimes back to Canadian gun owners. But when I look at the stats, not only is there not a surge beginning in 2012, Rob, every year after 2012 is lower than 2012. There's a regional, there's annual variation. It's not like a straight line down, but no year since 2012 in Toronto had as many guns linked to Canadian sources as in 2012. What the hell kind of a surge is that? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's not one. It's that kind. It's um, <laughs> what's also noteworthy, though, I mean, you know, aside from, from this debate, is that the, the, the guns that are traceable either to, to American or Canadian sources, it's a tiny fraction. Most guns that are seized by police in, in any kind of a criminal investigation, they're not able to, to trace them at all, it seems. No, and that, that's a really important piece. I didn't look at all. The Toronto Police gave the stats for the years 2007 to 2017. That's 11 calendar years that are included in that. I didn't crunch the numbers on this one because it was a little tertiary to my argument. But here is one I did just as an example. In 2017, the, the Toronto Police Service 
uh, seized in any circumstance 1,700 guns, 1,700 and change. It was a few more than that. Of that 1,700, 1,700, they were able to link 330 back to either Canada or the United States. The other almost 1,400 are untraceable. We don't know where they came from. So, as I say in the column, this entire debate we're having right now about the sourcing of firearms in Canada, we're arguing about statistical rounding errors. Well, it's an important column. People can find it. It's up at globalnews.ca. Matt, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Anytime, sir. There you go. Matt Gurney uh, with Global News Radio, AM 640 in Toronto, globalnews.ca. You can read his piece. Uh, and, and it lays out the facts. The, these are the Toronto Police Service's own numbers. So we'll take a break here. We'll, we'll take a closer look at some of these numbers and why police are publicly claiming the opposite. 974-8255 is a number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.